is your business in chaos right now because you have no systems in place and yet for some reason you can't seem to make the time to roll up your sleeves and get started creating systems for your business or are you more of a visionary and you feel like creating systems for your business is something that you're not entirely good at well you're in luck because my guest today was in the same exact situation and you will discover how she hired a consultant a process designer to come on board into her company and help her systematize her entire business you will learn how she let go of control empowered the consultant to help her systematize her entire business and you will see how because of doing that how business now generates over 1.3 million dollars in revenue before we get started a quick word from our sponsor so do you find that you're the bottleneck in your business and by that I mean that employees in your business can't seem to get stuff done without you well document procedures for how you get stuff done so that your employees know how to do things without you use sweet process sign up for a 14-day trial or sweet process and get started and remove yourself from being the bottleneck in your business or you might currently be you know documenting procedures and you know currently systematizing your business but you find out that the tools you use are you know rather complicated and your employees you know find it too complicated as well you want an easy way to systematize your business sign up for a free 14-day trial or sweet process and now let's get started with the interview hi everyone my name is Owen McGavinow and welcome to process breakdown the podcast where I get on successful entrepreneurs to come on here to reveal exactly how they were able to create systems and processes for their businesses that now enable them to literally run their business on autopilot without their constant involvement. My guest today is Audrey Darrow. She's the president of Earth Source Organic. Audrey, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So before we get started, I want my uh, listeners to understand you know, a little bit more about you know, what does your company do and what big pain do you solve for your customers? Well, our company is a raw food manufacturer, and we manufacture uh, certified organic chocolate, raw chocolate, and we solve a lot of issues for people that have eating problems such as needing to eat organic or gluten-free or allergen-free because we have a lot of certifications within our facility. So our big thing is creating foods that the, um, the world can eat that so many people cannot find in stores and that's basically w how we started and we're growing with it. Awesome. And so how many employees, how many full-time employees do you currently have? Uh, right now 12. Uh, we have one on maternity leave, so that's 13 total. And, and just so my audience have kind of like a context as to you know, how much business you're doing, what was last year's annual revenue and probably what do you expect to generate this year? Just curious. We did over one million three, and we'll do over one million five this year. Okay, and so um, I always ask every guest on the show to find out. Okay, uh, there must have been a point where you got in the business where you decided, you know, you, you needed to systematize it. And so, what would you say would have been the lowest point in the business, and describe how bad it got? Well, that was about the time that I actually hired a uh, director of operations where the business was growing. I, I launched this business in 2000, end of 2006, and in 2007 and eight is when the product lines were launched. We had a long time in between of getting certifications and building a facility. Once we did that and products started to sell, the, the people that I had in place were very inefficient in developing systems that were growing with the demand of the product. So quite often we would have a really difficult day 
where ingredients w wouldn't show up because they weren't ordered properly and because of funding we needed to have a lot of cash on hand to continue to keep products in, on, on the, um, in the facility. Once we uh, started to get to a point where the systems were breaking down yeah. and that's when Brittany came in, we were able to systemize it better so that the products were, the ingredients were ordered properly and on time and very timely so that if we ran out, it, there was always a system in place to make sure that we were covered very quickly. And so let me just clarify this. At that point in the business, you decided to bring on uh, an outside consultant to come and help you improve the, 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 the systems you had in place, right? That's that is correct. Okay. That is correct. And the main, the main problem at that point was the fact that uh, the, uh, your inventory was not coming in on time to meet the demand of you know, to produce the products. So let's dive back into that and figure out, okay, how, what did Britney do first when she came in? How did you guys solve that problem? Is it okay? Well, let me just uh, okay. preface this with the fact that we buy a lot of ingredients that come from outside of the United States, which makes it really more difficult. So some of those ingredients are seasonal. Some of those ingredients come from countries where it takes a long time to get it. So if, if our procedures and our systems are not properly in place and those are not ordered in advance or we're not foreseeing uh, uh, weather changes or things like that, it's a huge procedure and somebody has to be extremely organized and on top of it, and it's beyond a full-time job to do it properly. So when Brittany came in, she immediately was able to take over that area, and, and I will let her describe the systems that she has mm -hmm. in place because, uh, truthfully, they're beyond my capacity. She's way better at what she does than I am, and that's part of growing a good business is knowing where your strengths and your weaknesses lie. She's amazing at her organization and knowing where those weaknesses lie. So I'll step aside and let her answer those questions if you would like me to. Definitely. And one of the reasons why I wanted to do this interview is like basically showing the, the listener that, you know, there are certain times when, you know, you can be the one responsible for creating the procedures and improving the process. But sometimes you just need to bring some uh, outside help to come in and, you know, take it to the next level. And... You know, let's have Brittany come on uh, to talk about what she did at that point. Sure. Hey, Brittany, Hi. welcome to the show. Just Thank quickly, you. If you could introduce yourself to the audience, that way they, they know who you are. Yeah, I'm Brittany England. I'm the Director of Operations here at EarthSource. Definitely. Nice to have you on the show. And so this, Thank is, you. A, this is the first time we're having a situation <laughs> where the, the guest actually uh, had brought in an outside consultant to help to systematize their business and I wanted to you know uh, do the interview from your point of view as to at this point when uh, you came in you realized the issue they were facing what exactly you did as a I would say process consultant is, is that what you call yourself a process designer what, what do you call yourself um, <laughs> well that makes it sound very glamorous but um, originally <laughs> what I did is basically um, I was working with several small companies to help streamline their inefficiencies. So EarthSource Organics happened to be a chocolate company. I also worked with a jewelry company yeah. and um, also a couple construction companies where they're really efficient at their field. You know, yeah. they're best at making chocolate. They're great artists at jewelry. But as far as the business and the, the processes, that that skill set might not be there or not to the level they need it to be. Yeah. And so... Um, I came on with EarthSource, and um, I loved it so much I never left. <laughs> um, but basically, um, 
what we've done is, as a family-owned and operated company, um, we've through, some of it's trial and error. You can never know exactly what's going to work for each unique business, especially with, um, as Audrey described, the unique um, demands of our ingredients. If we miss the boat and it only comes in April, we have to wait till next April to get it. And so, yeah. what we were basically doing for about a year was really honing in on our our ingredients, our needs, and really working on projections of where we thought we could head and where we wanted to head and making sure we covered those specifically with ingredients and then also anticipating the, the cost of that and, and really trying to streamline those, those areas of weaknesses and also if we needed cacao powder that costs $50,000 not to have that due the same time that another $50,000 was billed. So trying to figure those out was a little bit of trial and error and also getting to know the product itself and the unique needs it had. Yeah. Um, but now we have a system in place where we literally check inventory, spot check it once a week. But once a month we do a big order and they're, um, depending on the flavor and depending on what we need, there's a system in place where anyone in the facility can go to chart, know exactly what we have in-house. And it's both um, electronically tracked as well as physically tracked. So, but right now it's in a way it needs to be. But you know, when you came in, it wasn't like that. And I'm trying to, you know, look from your lenses as the way you came yeah. in. At the very first time when you came in, the issues you saw, and take me step by step what you did to really, you know, tweak around uh, and, and and help improve the system from your standpoint at the time you came in. Yeah, the biggest thing for us, um, again, each company is going to have unique needs, but our biggest thing is that we have about 30-plus ingredients that make up, at the time, five products. Yeah. So basically what we had to do is define what those 30 ingredients were and define our projected outcome because a lot of it was kind of fly by the seat of our pants and <laughs> throw in an order when we need it. And unfortunately, when lead times are three weeks, when lead times are three months, you have to kind of anticipate that. Mm -hmm. So the first thing we did is analyze recipes and analyze actually what we're using right now, today, what we use. And then looking at, okay, well, we grew this much over last year. What do we think we can grow in the next year? Where are we thinking we're going to need for next May? and really trying to estimate the ingredient usage or the supply usage based off of growth, not just where we're at, because that's where a lot of the problems were is that, well, last month we only used 10 pounds, yeah. and this month we're using 20 pounds, so the person previously was ordering 10 pounds, and so was really finding out where our growth was going to be, and anticipating growth is a really difficult thing. Um, I think in, in the response uh, um, that... Um during the premium interview, uh, Obis mentioned something about you guys being able to, uh, um, something about a two-week supply of finished product, about how, you know, knowing that two weeks, it takes two weeks to, to, to get uh, uh, done with the product, you guys had to figure out a way to make sure that before that two-week period, uh, part of your yeah. system was to kick out uh, an order to get new in new orders in place. Yeah. As a, as a fresh product, um, we have a shelf life of six months, and we guarantee that to our clients. So the biggest thing as a food product is we can't stockpile tons and tons of product on our shelves. We have to use small batches to make sure that we're constantly having fresh ingredients. And imagine a produce stand. Yeah, they could have 10 months' worth of bananas sitting there, but 
it's going to go bad by the time their customers use it all. So we have to balance where we have about, what we found is about two to three weeks of inventory is a great number for us where we're flowing through that ingredient quick enough mm -hmm. where our customers are still getting fresh product, but at the same time, we're not on Monday morning out of a, uh, a product that we needed to ship out. So that was a process that we did by, again, analyzing our sales and, and projecting our growth and, and knowing some of the sales trends, obviously, as a chocolate company, the holidays are, are big for us. So knowing that November might be a big sales month for us and having enough on the shelf for that in anticipation. Okay, so I guess maybe the best way to kind of figure out, you know, how the business works from a system standpoint is to look at it like kind of like a conveyor belt where on the other end is, you know, at the end of the conveyor belt is the customer looking to buy, I guess, the finished product, right? Right. So mm -hmm. walk us through you know, the, the, the customer being on the other end looking to buy the finished product and maybe on this other end is an order that comes in. I, I'm assuming that's what the case. Walk us through how that conveyor belt moves through and the different steps involved. That way the listener can literally see into the system that yeah. you guys have in place. Specifically for finished products, um, the way it works is raw ingredients come in. The raw ingredients that are made into the specific blend or the specific chocolate bar, we, we, everything we do is chocolate. So we make the chocolate bar, label it, wrap it, put it on the shelf. It's date coded and put on the shelf for up to two weeks. The order then comes in from our Whole Foods store, for example, that's a big client of ours. Mm -hmm. Whole Foods then emails us faxes or calls in an order. We then fulfill their order based off of what's on our shelf, which again is lock coded and, and been on the shelf for two, at the most two, three weeks. That's shipped out to them. So by the time it gets to the store, the product is no more than three weeks old. Yeah. So the six month shelf life, they're getting the full benefit of that. Okay. And so uh, I guess maybe I was trying to figure out, uh, so you're saying that what happens is the product, you guys always make the product in advance. But what, mm -hmm. it, what, what, what happens in a situation where you make the product and then you don't have a customer who's, who, who's placing the order for it if you're making it in advance all the time? We don't have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, we fortunately, um, over the course of time, have really learned to manage how much inventory that two-week supply is. Um, we're now six, seven years old as a company, so we're able to see sales trends and we're able to project for that. Not to mention we have a dedicated staff of people calling and making sales. So if the orders aren't coming in, we're going and getting them. So we haven't had any problems with product spoiling or going bad or sitting for too long. Quite the opposite. We're making it as fast as we can sell it. So it, it's, it's a good problem to have. Well, what I get in from that is that you guys are building a system based on previous data of how your customers make purchases and, and how inventory is being used up. And now you're systematizing, not not you know, based on actual data that you've gathered from the past. Yes, and then also projecting growth. So rather than just using just those numbers, then we're adding 10, 15, 20 percent, depending on uh, the flavor and the sales trends, to ensure that we're covering growth as well. Okay, and and also, um, I guess uh, Audrey mentioned how you guys have. Uh, a centralized system that you use in-house for both employees and managers as well. Can we talk about what those central, that centralized system entails? Yeah, it's it's actually really simple and a lot of companies use it. We use QuickBooks um, 
And QuickBooks, basically, we use a, a premier version that basically can um, do everything from accounting, a, uh, payroll, inventory management, all our bill pays through there. So what's great about that is it's enabled Audrey to log into QuickBooks remotely from her home. If Or if ever I'm out sick, if something were to happen, I can always log in, be able to see what's going on with the business. And everyone in the company is seeing the same information. So that makes it super helpful where there's not um, different versions of it. We're all in a central um, network through QuickBooks. And so uh, um, she also, is this QuickBooks that you guys are using to manage everything? Um, we, we supplement it with, obviously, through our certifications. Um, for example, we're organic certified, so there's special requirements for that that we supplement QuickBooks with. But as far as like the brains of um, accounting and inventory management, we do primarily through QuickBooks. I mentioned earlier that we always do a physical count. We always are checking that information because, you know, systems are never perfect. You always want to make sure that everything is flowing properly. Um, but we do have um, recipe logs that are done daily on top of that. We also have, um, again, monthly inventory where it's a physical count. Um, that account that will catch any errors that QuickBooks might not catch. You know, human error, people drop things. And QuickBooks obviously accounts for exact usage, where if one of my employees drops a bag of flour, I'm not going to, QuickBooks doesn't know that. <laughs> so that's why the physical count is really important as well. And so you mentioned that uh, one of the things you guys do is you have a sales group where, you know, you're constantly reaching out to customers to try and, you know, I guess, get them to purchase mm -hmm. and reorder. Tell us more about what is what was the system you guys have behind that? Yeah, we have it through QuickBooks. Again, there's a customer center which keeps all the customer data in there. Their latest order, what the last um, what their last order was, what their last ten orders were. So you can always reference it in case they're a seasonal. You know, a campsite, for example, might only order in the summertime. So we're able to see all their past orders all their contact information so we, we know we're getting a hold of the right person. And as a small business, we actually reach out to each individual um, business directly, check on their stock and get their orders. So if they're not managing their inventory, we help do that for them by checking and going, you ordered last month about this time, it sounds like you're probably due for another order. And that's a way that we can constantly make sure our customers don't run out of product. Is, is this something that is done systematically or they just calling people uh, because they're in the it, Everything is done systematically. Otherwise, we would be kind of running around with our chickens with our head cut off. So and that's what I'm trying to get at is for you to, to help me understand the system that you created in this sales uh, rotation group. Because the people who are listening to this, they're trying to figure out anything you say, they want to understand what is the system behind it. Yeah, well, first, um, the what we do is the customer center is alphabetized. So what we kind of do is make it a manageable chunk for our sales crew to be able to handle. So um, they might do several letters together, A, B, C, D, and those are always their Monday calls. And then the next group of letters are always their Tuesday calls. So those stores might not always get a call every Monday because if you call them the previous Monday and they order, they probably don't need a call the next Monday. Yeah. But basically, it's a rotation where... All the A's get a call at some point during that month on Monday 1, on Monday 2, on Monday 3, or Monday 4. And so basically you rotate through the letters to ensure that every customer is getting a call throughout the month, but at the same time you're not putting too much pressure on any one day to get through 70 calls in an hour. You know, So 
we basically break it down by chunks of letters um, and then go back through that rotation every week. And then you also mentioned that, uh, actually, um, Audrey also mentioned in the pre-interview that she, you guys have a production staff. I'm assuming because you guys are producing chocolate, you need to have mm -hmm. people actually produce the chocolate and make right. them. Yeah. Ex explain that. Yeah, actually, of our staff of 13, four of us are in the office and the rest of the, the staff is in the warehouse itself. Mm -hmm. And so um, we're pretty efficient for uh, eight or nine of us making chocolate. We're able to get, make uh, several thousand bars a day. So um, what we do is we have recipe logs and, and depends on the flavor we're making. Our process is pretty unique, um, but we make truffle bars and, and um, our customers again, based off of those sales and what the, the flavors they needed, we rotate, again, everything is done off rotation Monday through Friday. Uh, certain flavors are made on Monday, certain flavors are made on Tuesday, and we ensure that we have a constant flow of making sure all the flavors are getting getting made. Okay, so this is something where you, you have a product that has a unique taste and all that. How do you guys ensure that, you know, what's the system behind ensuring that the, the people who are actually going to be be responsible for creating chocolate are always doing the same thing uh, according to the yeah. things you've created. Um, we have specific recipe logs. So each employee, um, for example, our chocolatier has a recipe log. And so that way he is actually physically writing, I put in 50 pounds of this, 20 pounds of this, his, the dates on there, the lot code of the actual ingredient, and his initials go next to every ingredient that he uses. That gets put in the tank and that mixes. The same thing for our truffle person, the person making the fruit truffle for us. He's physically writing down, I use 20 pounds of this, 10 pounds of this into the batch, and that way we're able to again track the day, the lot number, and who actually put that into the mix. That way if there's ever an issue, we can trace it back. So in a case where maybe the, the listener listen to this now is at the point in their business where they feel like, okay, just like how Audrey did, went, reached out to you and got you in to come in to systematize their business. Uh, what is the thing that you might want to say to the listener if they want to go the route of hiring, bringing in an outside consultant? What, what, what would the thing they have to look for in such a person? I think someone that obviously fits the, the, I guess, feel of your business. The biggest thing is I spend a lot of time with Audrey, and we have to get along, and we have to make sure that I'm keeping what she wants in her business. And I never lose sight of that. It's her company, and it's her vision, and all I'm here is to help facilitate and make it my vision as well. And so I think that's really important, is that you want to make sure that if it's someone you're going to spend a lot of time with and work through these growing pains with, that you like each other. That's pretty important. You're going to spend a lot of time together. And then also the biggest thing is that Audrey and I have very different skill sets, and that's really important. Where she has strengths, I have weaknesses. And where I have strengths, she has weaknesses. And so it makes us have a mutual respect for one another, where we feel we can help each other out, but I'm able to do systemization, where she's a lot more creative and more of a visionary. And so that's something where it's a really good balance for us. And I think that's really important is you don't want to hire your clone, otherwise you would just do it yourself. <laughs> so you want to make sure it's someone that's going to kind of complement your skill set. And the last thing I would say is that be willing to ask questions, be willing to experiment, and, and really know that the person is not a mind reader. And so there's going to be a little bit of trial and error as you're growing your business and getting it systematized, mm -hmm. but to really have an open relationship and really understand where you're heading. And Audrey and I have a lot of room that we want to improve on, and we 
we're nowhere near where we want to be, but we're so far from where we were. And yeah. so that's kind of, it's going to be an evolution in that the where you were at year three and where you are at year 30, you're going to laugh because it's just different. It's going to grow. And so to know that the system that worked for you when you were doing 10,000 units might not work for 20,000 and to be okay with that and to know that it's going to constantly evolve. Definitely. And so I guess my, what I'm trying to get at now is for someone who's trying to hire somebody, I get you, you mentioned how having someone who who uh, has the right vision with you so they may come in there and then also uh, I'm trying to figure out what other tale or what other signs the person who's trying to hire a consultant to come in and help systematize their business, what other key signs do they have to see or be aware of before deciding if this person is the one to handle the, the task of systematizing their business? Um, I mean, I would ask, obviously, you know, what experience they have with that. Obviously, mm -hmm. experience is great, but it's not the only thing. Um, education is really important if that's something that they're, they, if they don't have the experience, but they have the education behind it. Um, so there's a lot of different areas. Um, sometimes being in a similar field in the past, um, I hadn't worked in chocolate in the past, but I had worked with systemization in the past. So it kind of was a balance. Um, but if you need someone that's, I'm trying to think of what maybe some of your customers would be looking for, but I think that it's it's difficult to know the exact fit for your company, um, mm -hmm. but being able to ask those questions and really finding a good fit is just a matter of really knowing yourself and what you're looking for, too. Having uh, a checklist of probably what knowing what you're good at and what you're not good at and really trying to find someone that feel, fills those gaps. Is that Are there places online that uh, entrepreneurs can actually go and find people that actually do what you do, which is helping people to systematize their business. Are there places online that people can go, or maybe even associations online, or some, somewhere where similar people like you hang out, and all you guys? I'm just <laughs> I don't. I don't have a club that I'm a part of or anything. Uh, <laughs> but um, there are definitely entrepreneur groups. There are networking's really important. Um, before I was a part of this company, I was in several women's networking groups locally to kind of get to know different companies, and that's how I got several of my clients. So um, asking around is obviously really important. Networking and and just being open to looking. You know, there's putting an ad out there. You know, through Monster or whatever employment agency you might go with. Um, there are staffing companies as well. I personally have never worked with a staffing company, but I know a lot of people have found great success um, with that. Um, so there's lots of options for finding someone, but as far as what you're looking for, that's an honest conversation you, have, you need to have with yourself. <laughs> and then you can um, go to the staffing agency, go to put your ad out, or go to those networking groups with a realistic checklist of, this is who I'm looking for. This is my pair, you know. So when you came in as the outside consultant who was coming in from the outside looking in, uh, and now you started the process of you know, systematizing Audrey's business, what challenges did you have initially uh, as you tried to you know, create the systems that you, that you mentioned so far? Oh, <laughs> that's fun. Uh, <laughs> well, um, the biggest thing is that whenever some people don't respond well to change. so. Working with the existing staff and really teaching them that this is going to make their life easier and not harder, mm -hmm. um, that's a unique challenge, obviously. Um, and also when things have always been pretty casual and coming in and making it more official and having to document, um, that obviously proposes some challenges. Um, 
because people, it's the way we've always done it. Mm. Well, the way we're always doing it didn't work. <laughs> so that's definitely something that um, was a challenge in the beginning is just being understanding that people have to kind of work through it themselves. And, and really, I was really close with a lot of the staff, and we worked through it together, not being afraid to know that two heads are better than one, ask for suggestions. They've been here longer than I have. So some of the staff I asked, you know, this doesn't seem to be working. What would you do different if you could start over? Okay. And and really getting to know that because their perspective is really valuable as well. They they work with the process every single day. Yeah. Um, and, and, so not coming with an iron fist and, you know, say it's my way or the highway. Otherwise, the employees aren't going to respond very well to that. So It's kind of like a thing where you're, you're trying to bring them along so that they literally take ownership as you. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Okay. And it, it, swallow your pride a little bit. I, I don't need my name stamped on anything here. So knowing that if someone else says that they made it up, by all means, that's fine with me. <laughs> as long as it's working, I, I don't. it doesn't need to have my initials at the bottom. If the company's thriving, then that works. And uh, I think Audrey made a point about how because a lot of the, uh, the staff, they work on literally creating the, the, the uh, the chocolate handmade that it's very important as you know to make sure that they are constantly informed as uh, changes Absolutely. are made to the system. I'm just curious as to how you guys foster that communication to happen in, in the business. Yeah, um, I actually every morning meet with my staff at 8 o'clock in the morning. That's the way everyone starts their day mm -hmm. um, is with my lovely voice um, is just saying this is what's going on for the day. This is what we have um, agenda, here's packages that we're expecting, um, incoming, outgoing, um, just to kind of keep them in the loop. And I found that since we did that, the employees take a lot more care of things and they, they tend to have ownership over it. I feel a lot more informed because I have people coming into my office every day, oh, by the way, that package came in you were told us was going to be here. So it doesn't sit in the back for four hours unclaimed. Um, so keeping, keeping the staff informed is really important because then they are comfortable sharing things with you as well as sharing with them. They feel like they're a part of it. And I think that our employees are very valued here. We take really good care of them, and they know that, and we want to keep them here. Let's dive a little bit more into that whole communication system that you guys have, because I think uh, Audrey was mentioning something about you guys having a calendar, and uh, how does that play into what you guys do? I don't know if you're, if you're aware of yeah. yeah. Yeah, so um, with um, our whole staff, we do a daily meeting where we talk about what's specific for that day. With our management staff and our front office, we meet once a week, and that's more projections, things that we're going to be doing for the month. Um, we meet with our director of sales. He travels a lot, so getting his travel schedule on there. And that way, our small staff is all on the same page. It all kind of goes back to the more we know, the better we can help each other. Mm -hmm. And... Um, we're very big on it's not someone's job, it's everyone's job. So yeah. the more we're able to keep each other in the loop, we're, we're more able to help each other. And you, you mentioned something <laughs> about the recipes. I'm gonna, I'm, I think I'm trying to get at the question about how... <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to get at the question as to how exactly uh, do you uh, document the systems for... You mentioned you guys have recipes and all, right? So I'm trying mm -hmm. to get to understand... the the system you, ha you have in place for documenting how stuff gets done so nothing falls through, through the cracks? Um, well, pardon me, let me just take a sip of water. No problem. And, oh. it, and, we, and we do it live here, you know. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So as far as with the recipes and the schedule, um, first, like I mentioned, the, the people making the chocolate or the truffle are actually physically writing what they do. But then I'm actually going back or a director is going back and looking over the recipes on a daily basis and then we keep them actually for three years. That's part of our organic certification. Um, so we keep those recipe logs filed by date and by flavor um, to be able to reference at any time. Okay. And besides the recipes uh, which you've been documented, are there other um, system and, and documentation that you have in place for how stuff gets done besides just the aspect of the recipes for creating the chocolate? Um, well, a lot of that is through our QuickBooks system, so whether it be our vendors or our customer logs. I mean, everything is written down, um, but a lot of it is through that system, so we're not using paper and keeping a huge paper trail. It's in one centralized network, so we can log into that at any time. I can see what my assistant's doing at any time by her notes in the network. Okay. And then also, we got in, uh, I mean, was wanting to like, document how stuff gets done, but then it's another thing to like to track and verify that it, it's actually getting done, so that you can you know you figure out maybe if, if there are places that you know you need to dive in and up, you know, update the system. So my, I think my question now is, how exactly are you tracking and verifying that the employees are delivering the results that you want? Well, we have our um, projected numbers, and so based off those recipe logs or whatever it might be in various areas, I'll use that as an example. At the end of the day, they actually have to put the physical count of how many bars were made, how many bars were labeled, mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. So I'm able to really measure. I said we needed 1,200, and we had 1,159, and that's actually physically counted before it's put on the shelf. So that's something where it's actually a physical number. Mm -hmm. um, for sales, like I mentioned, each day has its letter. So at any point, I can go into the customer log and see, did the A's get called today or did they not? Because it actually physically tracks that um, through notes and through seeing when they're ordering. And so that's all something that is trackable. Definitely. So everything is going back to, I guess, what is the end goal you're trying to achieve? And trying, you're basically making key numbers to, to track each of the events that you're trying to achieve at the end. And if the numbers are not matching, then you know there's something wrong somewhere. Exactly, and, and that's where we said that things continue to evolve and change, and, and so um, that's where we, if something's not working, we figure out why, and we make those adjustments as needed, so. Definitely, and, and before we hand over to Audrey, I'm just, is there any question that you wish as the, the one who you know, came in as the outside consultant to help Audrey to systematize the business, is there something that you wish I, I should have asked you that I didn't ask you that you know, we can go ahead and talk about that now? Gosh, I don't know. <laughs> um, not that comes to mind. I think we covered a lot of it. I mean, our company is really unique as far as the process, so it's a little bit difficult to segment each section. Um, but the biggest thing is that you know, being trackable, obviously anticipating growth, and checking you know and monitoring is really important, and that goes across the board from ingredients to sales to customer service. That all all kind of ties together with the same concept so thank you very much and let's, let's have Audrey come back in and yeah. I guess I have a few more questions okay. for her and hello Hi, Audrey. so how, how have you? you been and you know on the side just listen to us having the conversation without you now I want to bring you back in well, <laughs> well now you know why she does the operations because she's quite <laughs> capable and 
I'm no fool. I know I know where my strengths and my weaknesses lie, and she's very good at what she does. And I think the answer the answer to your question when you asked her uh, how does somebody find somebody like her, mm -hmm. yeah. it's not easy to do, and it's there's you know she has that that uh, background in organizational studies, which I think is very unique to what she does as well as business. But I think it's a quite, you know, it's an attribute that is very hard to find. It's one that I don't have, I can tell you that much. Definitely. And so let me ask you now, because I'm sure the, the, the listener is intrigued to, you know, has heard from her part of to what to look for if you're looking for someone to come in to help you systematize your business. But you as the one who was feeling the pain, let's go back to at that point where you say, hey, I, I, I can't do this myself, I need to go and get somebody on board. What is, guide us through how you went through the process of actually finding someone like uh, Brittany to come uh, on board. You know, well, Brittany actually, Brittany actually came to me through someone who was working for me for four years who was struggling in uh, being able to put those processes into efficiency as, and he knew that he was struggling. And so he actually brought her in to help him Mm -hmm. And I was very fortunate. I knew the systems weren't working because the employees were struggling. And when your systems up front aren't working, then the then the employees in back get very frazzled. Yeah. They expect direction. They expect to know what's going on. And when your systems up front aren't working, it really makes chaos in the back. And we had a lot of chaos. And we had a lot of ingredients not ordered on time. We had a lot of frustration. We had a lot of money wasted where employees were sent home because ingredients weren't here. They couldn't make chocolate. Yeah. That happened many, many times. So Brittany was actually brought in by someone who was working for me who knew that she could do a better job, Okay. to be very honest with you. And, and I'm curious too because you know, at that point where, you know, there's this on this side there's this whole chaos that you're trying to solve, but then this other side where now you're going ahead to bring somebody else to come in to help you systematize, and then there's this whole part of you letting go of control. You know, how did you struggle? I mean, if, if you did or did not, but did you struggle with this whole idea of letting go of control to Brittany to have her help to systematize the business? And if so, how did you deal with that struggle? I did not struggle with that because I learned before I came into this business that if I have a big ego, it's not going to work. And so I know I have no business background, no education in business. I was a physical education major. So I knew what I was able to do well. Yeah. which was to visualize and to see foresee trends and you know to work well with employees and there's a there's a list of things that I do very well organization is not one of those and so there was no ego for me because I knew where my strengths lied and I have a deep appreciation for anybody that can do what she can do and do it as well as she can because I can't even visualize that that organized and so it's it's it there is no there there was no ego there still is no ego because it's an ongoing process as the company continues to grow she has to become more efficient and she's able to adapt and i find that to be a very very strong attribute definitely and and, and so i guess what i'm getting from that is kind of a situation where you really know your strengths and where you where, where, where you find that you have weaknesses literally go out there to find somebody who can come in and augment those parts that you have weaknesses with. And so now that you know you find that you know you you don't literally have to you don't have to run the business on your own as you used to. I'm just curious, what what's been the longest time you've been away from the business? Several weeks. 
Um, yeah, probably three, four weeks. Wow. And, and, yeah. and then the time that you, you actually are working in uh, at the business, what exactly, what areas of the business do you, you know, focus most of your time on? Well, I'm not in the office like they are. However, they know and we are in constant communication. Mm -hmm. What I do is uh, a lot of research. I look at trends. I look at everything from the health of the nation and able to foresee trends of what new products that I would like to create. I do marketing. Uh, it's something I enjoy doing. So mm -hmm. I can do those remotely as well as being in, in the office here. Uh, we have a special program that we use that helps us market. I write publicity pitches. I write uh, press releases with someone who's actually better than I am, but I get the idea. So things that I do are things that are in my head. It, it, they could come up while I'm sleeping, and they could come up while I'm getting ready in the morning to, to go out. So I don't have to be in front of an office, although I do like to be in communication with the employees. Uh, and, and come in and see how things are going and be there if anybody has questions. But when you have the right people and there's a trust there uh, and you don't have an ego, it, it actually can work quite well. Definitely, because you even mentioned several things that to me sounds like you spend your time literally working more on the business as opposed to in it and you focus more on things that drive in uh, the, 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 the revenue. Like you mentioned how you're doing a lot of stuff that's related to marketing to pump in more customers, I'm assuming. And so that's what I'm getting from that. Absolutely. I, I look at, I have a lot of publications that come into my email and I look at trends. I look at uh, new products that I want to create. I look at uh, everything from changing in the industry of where, say, for example, the grocery industry is heading. I'm able to foresee those trends and know where I want to start selling to and be able to uh, help my salespeople kind of be more open to going into maybe directions of grocery, not just health foods, uh, things like that. So that kind of stuff, you know, are things that I can do anywhere. And just being in constant communication is really important for them. So I guess by systematizing your business now, you, you tend to more be continuously be the visionary. That's, that's what that sounds like to me. You, you stay more on driving the vision of the company. Absolutely. Going. Definitely. And I mean, just to be honest, so you know that in your situation, I mean, I think that you were a little bit lucky in the sense that the person who you hired to do it wasn't was was having issues with it, helped you to find somebody else who could do it better than you to come in. But in the case of the listener who's listening now, I'm just trying to figure out what is that one thing you want to leave with them as to the very first step that they have to take if they get to a point where they realize that hey, this whole thing about systematizing the business might be something that I need to bring somebody in. You know, what's the very first step that you feel that they should take to, to move forward with that whole idea? Well, I see a lot of businesses come coming into our business because we also uh, co-manufacture for some other companies. So I see companies that start out mm -hmm. from the very beginning, mm -hmm. and, and it's always the same thing where there's a refusal to see where your strengths and weaknesses are. If you can, at, from the very get-go, know what you're good at and know that as a visionary, a visionary can't work without an operator and vice versa. And when you know that and there's no ego and you are willing to trust and, and know that person well enough and oversee and be there for whatever they might need, that's a really good relationship in growing a company. And I had to do that from the very beginning. I mean, I was my parents are the ones that helped me financially get the business off the ground. 
So I'm not in accounting. I don't have a business background. So I brought in accountants. I brought in a CPA. Made sure that the business had a strong foundation mm -hmm. without ego. So to, to me, the ego is a huge thing. Is knowing where your strengths and weaknesses lie and being okay with that. I, I like the fact that you know you you, you made that point, uh, and I'm curious. And uh, I'm also going to have to have uh, for the next couple of questions ask you and as well as ask uh, Brittany those questions as well. So, uh, what books would you say have had the most influence on you and why? My favorite book is a book called Good to Great. Mm -hmm. I think it's uh, Jim Collins is the name. And it's because I believe that a great company, there's many, many thousands of good companies out there, but there's only a few that are great. And I think that it's about personal humility. I believe that in the book, the companies that are great are the companies where the leader doesn't have an ego. The leader wants to leave the, the, the company in a place where when I walk out the, the door, my company, the employees, people that run this, know that they have all the support that they need to create a great company where they're going to benefit from. So good to great, I don't want to be just a good company, I want to be a great company. And that's about taking care of your people. That's about, again, not having an ego, knowing where your strengths lie, making sure the people trust you and that they know they're supported. That That's a huge thing. The employees, down to my little truffle maker, knows that he's supported by is by Brittany, by the director of operations, by my sales staff. Everyone has support. And and when you have that, you know, uh, I'm not sure that of the word I'm thinking of, but when you have it where it all works and, and blends together well, then I can be away and have a company that's continuing to be successful. And what I get from that is that, you know, you being the leader, it's kind of like people, when they think of them being the leader, they think, oh, I'm just the boss. Everybody pays attention to me. Everybody has to do what I do. But what I'm getting from that is that your way of leadership is more of serving, serving the people who work with you. It's like finding a way to serve them and empower them to, to do the best to, uh, at, at what they do. Am I getting that Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I have more fun with the employees than my director of operations because... I'm not the boss. I'm the one that oversees and they know what my position is and there's a, a great amount of respect. But the person that they really have to respect and to listen to is my director of operations. She's got the hardest job of all and it's a daily process of, of making sure that they're respected but they also know what they have to do. So my job now is the easier. Now when I was starting out, obviously it was much more difficult. but. Now it's I'm in a good place and I get to enjoy the company, I get to enjoy the people, and I get to be there for my employees and have fun and you know provide lunches and do really cool things for them. Awesome. And so what's the best way that the listener uh, that's been listening so far can reach out to you and connect with you? Uh, and thank you for doing this interview. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for asking. Uh, you can email me at, at Audrey, A-U-D-R-E-Y, at earthsourceorganics.com. You can call us at 760-734-1867. Uh, we help a lot of small companies grow just because it, we pay it forward. We've had a lot of mentors out there. So reach out and give us a call and ask for help. And is there a question that uh, you wish that I had asked you, that, you know, regarding what we've been talking about so far that I didn't, I didn't cover yet? If, if, if so, here's the opportunity to say the question and the answer. Um... I, I think the biggest thing that I found in business, if the question is, is what do you, what what would you, on a personal level, 
say is the most crucial because it's not just about your education and business. I think the question of what's your motto, what is it your mantra that you use, what is it that motivates you every day to, as a, on a personal level, to make this business be successful. And for me, what I've learned is to, uh, to not try to make something happen to allow something good to happen and when you're surrounded by good people when you're open when that ego is not there when you have trust then you now have opened yourself up to allowing good to come and that's how the success of the business will continue to grow and that's what I learned from that book Good to Great as well being open and so I have, I have one more question for uh, for um, Brittany, Brittany. Okay, can, can, I'll let her come back. <laughs> hey, Brittany, good to have Hi, you back. Hi, little musical chairs. <laughs> this is the first time we're doing this back and forth. I'm, I'm enjoying it. So uh, I'm, I'm curious, what is the, the, the book that, uh, you know, someone who comes from a system, I say uh, you have a lot of, you know, background in systematizing, uh, I can't even pronounce the word, systematizing businesses, and, and now I'm sure this has to have been books that have influenced you you know, in regards to creating systems for business and all that, and, and why? What books are those? Um, I'm kind of nerdy. I have a couple of textbooks that I keep at home, and the names are escaping me right now, but those aren't as enjoyable for bedside reading. Um, but um, Audrey just reminded me that I've read The Synergist and really enjoyed that as well, um, and that's about systemization. Um, the what? Synergist. Synergist. Okay. I'm going to check that out. Um, yeah, and, and like I said, a lot of it... Um, when it comes to systemization, it's more text rather than literature, you know, um, so it's a little bit different. It's not as, not as fun to read, <laughs> so, but they're helpful, so. Thank you very much for doing the interview. Yeah. I really appreciate it, and thanks, Audrey, for doing the interview. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank it you so much. And so the listener, you listen to this right now. If you found this interview useful, I want you to please share with other entrepreneurs so that they can learn uh, you know, just like how you have learned, because there's certain situations where you, as the entrepreneur, the owner of the business, might not be able to figure out how to create a system. And just like how Audrey has done, she went outside of her company and got somebody who, who, who specializes in creating systems to do something like that. So, if you know that another entrepreneur that might benefit from this interview, feel free to share them uh, this interview with them. And also, if you're at that point in your business where you need to start literally documenting how you get stuff done so that your employees know how things get done even though you're not there well sign up for a free 14-day trial of sweet process and if you're currently using tools to systematize your business but you find out that the tools you're using are very complicated and your uh, your employees are not using them because of how complicated they are then you're in the right place sweet process makes it easier sign up for a free 14-day trial of sweet process and thanks, guys, for doing the interview. I really appreciate thanks it. So much. Thank you. Thanks. Have a good one. And we're done. <laughs> okay. Oh.